With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to take a look at the film on XNL Quick Hits, courtesy of our friend who does Blewett Splits over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm enjoying that there's actually you know new film to watch, even though that film isn't good, but it's uh, the the excitement of the new season is quickly wearing off as it is for other Jets fans. So uh, kind of at the point already, you know, beginning of October and even at the end of September where I'm counting down the rest of the games, looking towards free agency in the draft, which I'm pretty used to, but uh, it's still something I have to kind of fight every day. <laughs> there is no show on the Play Like a Jet feed that is more aptly named at this point than there's always next year with Brian Bassett because it seems like it's basically been the battle cry for Jets fans for the last decade. Let's talk about what you've been seeing on the film, Joe, and we'll start with Sam Darnold. I'm going to share my observations and then I'm going to let you go more in depth. You can contradict me where you think I'm wrong and you can back me up where you think I'm right. And then you can add stuff that I might not have even seen. The biggest problem for me here is that Darnold went from a super promising player at the end of 2018 to, as Michael Nania has said, and this hurts me to say, 2018 Josh Allen. Everybody talks about the supporting cast and how he needed better receivers. And absolutely, ideal world, 
they should have done that. However, when I see the film, I'm seeing guys that are open and Darnold just isn't seeing them. And so it doesn't matter who the receiver is. If the guys are open and Darnold's not seeing them, that's on Darnold. I'm seeing sloppy footwork, sloppy mechanics. I'm seeing plays where he leaves the pocket too early. There's so much regression here with Darnold. I think Nania also said this, and it is the perfect description of Darnold. Last year, I didn't see regression. I just didn't see enough improvement. This year, I'm seeing flat-out regression. Talk to me a little bit about what the film's been telling you about Sam Darnold. Yeah. So, and and like you said, there's there's a lot of things. His his locking on to his locking on to reads, the footwork in the pocket specifically, him going in between reads and his footwork not matching where his eyes are going. Obviously, you want your eyes matching where, or your feet matching where your eyes are going because if your eyes see something that's open, you your lower body has to be in position to throw it. He's not doing that, leaving clean pockets, which I think. Um, may attribute to a lot of the stats out there that the Jets offensive line is still ranking poorly. But for the people who think that the Jets offensive line has not majorly improved, I don't know what you're watching on film and probably don't watch film. So that's not a major issue like it was last year. So he's definitely developed some bad habits in year one, year two um, that are leading to year three where he's playing like he was playing behind the 2019 line um, where it's where it's not that. So a lot of those problems are showing up. Uh, the missed throws, the like I said, locking out to reads, um, the unwillingness to check the ball down. There's a lot of times where he checks the ball that uh, the ball down, but it's a second or two too late. Where the receiver that he's throwing to doesn't have enough room to uh, to get yak, turn his shoulder up the field and break a tackle. Um, whereas, like I said, he throws it too late, and the defender's already there. They make a tackle, um, and specifically in the last two games, you know. You have those two plays, two, three plays, maybe even four or five plays a game um, that are flashy and will be put on Twitter and ESPN and, and you know, the, the big Donald supporters will be able to put that up and say, oh, we'll see, look at this, but then fail to, to put up the other 25 plays of the game where he's relatively, you know, inconsistent. Um, like I said, there has been flashes, obviously, the Broncos, the, the 49, I believe the 49-yard TD run, like there were some nice plays he made, uh, step, up, uh, step up in the pocket, I believe he hit Crowder. Um, on a deep over that was really nice and he had some nice plays but then he's also missing you know uh, Lawrence Cager wide open on a big route uh, and that's the play he got injured on where he got he got thrown down to the ground and hurt his shoulder and came out of the game there was Cager who was absolutely wide open saw him didn't throw it there's another play looking he's reading left to right uh, left side there is a stop route on the outside receiver and then an over uh, which I believe is Jeff Smith again uh, Jeff Smith is working into an open open area of the field. If Donald puts it not even low, just on Jeff Smith, it's an easy 10, 15 yard completion for whatever reason. He skips on that read. You can literally see his eyes looking at Jeff Smith, passes that up, throws to a contested stop route. The ball gets deflected. Uh, the, the Colts game, you know, you have a Yankee concept, which is a perfect concept versus cover three that the Jets wide receivers, you know, executed well. You have Chris Hogan, uh, who is streaking down the field on a deep over, probably 15, 20 yards down the field. Donald has poor footwork, overthrows him. Uh, Hogan can't get the hand on it, you know, his hand on the ball. So you have people who are either completely against, and you know how this is, Scott. People, it's so black and white where it's either all Gates or it's all Donald. Um, and it's obviously somewhere in the middle where, where you know, Gates is not helping Donald in, in a multitude of ways in terms of play calling that doesn't make sense, uh, concepts on certain down and distance that don't make sense. Uh, his ability to to check his reads um, pre-snap based on what he sees. You know, there's a lot of times where you see you know multiple defenders in an area, 
uh, let's say, three, four defenders in an area of two receivers. So you should not be reading that side of the field first. If anything, that should be your backside now. And there's receivers to the other side, uh, like in the Broncos game where you had uh, Jameson Crowder on a jerk or a whip route. He was open. You had another receiver streaking on a corner route. Uh, and he was open. So you had two guys who were open on the left side of the field, but Donald locks his eyes onto the right side of the field where based on pre-snap alignment, he should have been reading to the left or at least transition to the left really, really quickly. But I don't know what it's like in that you know meeting room if Donald has to read the right side of the field first or um, if he has the freedom to, to kind of uh, progress through that route concept um, in a different way. That's something I can't really speak on because I'm not in the meeting room. So I think there's certain things that Gates you know, is doing, but then you have the Donald people who, and listen, I was a big Donald guy. We were both big Donald guys. So, uh, but we have to be able to, you know, obtain new information and evaluate it. And um, people will say, oh, well, he has no receivers. And I asked people on the live stream I did the other day, uh, okay, well, is, is Jeff Smith open by five yards different than Juju Smith open by five yards here? Like, obviously, yes, a Juju Smith, Allen Robinson, these guys would help uh, Darnold um, in certain facets, but also he locks onto his number one receiver, his number one read a lot, so that might actually hurt him in some ways too. But uh, open is open, and he's missing open guys, whether that be missing them because he's overthrowing the ball or underthrowing the ball or hitting them too late or just not seeing them or skipping on the read or not getting to the read quick enough because he's locked onto his first guy or, you know, whatever it may be. But there are plenty of open guys, and it, it, it happened a decent amount in the Broncos game. But the Colts game was it, it was littered on, on the film of him just completely missing open guys. So uh, you cannot argue right now, and I agree with you, you know, 2018, for a young guy with not a lot of talent around him, it was super encouraging. 2019, we hope for more, but he still took some steps in the right direction. You know, a little bit smaller of those big, of those steps than we wanted. We a lot of us wanted big steps, but this year he is playing worse than he did his rookie year. It, it, it's inevitable. There's times, you know, in the Colts game, for for, for example, you know, he breaks, he breaks out of the pocket, rolling out right. Chris Herndon adjusts his route well, shrieking up the right sideline, wide open. Darnold just has to throw with general accuracy, hit Herndon, and it's a touchdown. Darnold's scrambling out. He sees Herndon. It's his only, it's his only guy on the side of the field. He doesn't throw the ball, and he runs it for 10 yards, so it looks like it's a good play, but really he had Herndon for, for a 50-whatever-yard touchdown. So he's not making throws that he – would have his first year. So there's times where he's forcing the ball. There's times where he's too conservative with the ball. Uh, there's a lot of bad right now. And uh, that's the, you know, the argument, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot with drafting a quarterback this year, because you're getting uh, damaged goods at this point. Can he turn it around? Maybe, but I'm not so sure about that. Uh, myself and Kyle Smith talked about it yesterday. There's been very few quarterbacks who have had the type of production that, and I don't like production. I don't like stats, but that Donald has had his first couple of years and has turned it around to be a good quarterback. Obviously, the most, the biggest example is Drew Brees, and the second example of that is Alex Smith. But are you really winning a lot with an Alex Smith type quarterback? So you're looking at one quarterback who's really done it in the past, however many years. So you're going to bank on Donald to to be that? I'm not sure. Um, and if you look at the, the quarterbacks who win on their second contracts, which Donald inevitably is going to get, you know, to at least let's say 25 million dollars a year, uh, just based on potential which there is a shot of him turning around. I'm not saying there's no shot of him turning around. A lot of people bring up Tannehill, and that's, a, that's, that's the possibility. But do you really want Tannehill to lead you to a Super Bowl? Um, that's, that's not some – you know, he threw the ball like 12 times in the playoff games. So um, there's a possibility of him turning around, but there's only a couple of guys who have won in their second contracts. And, again, we've talked about this before, but I believe it's like Big Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. 
uh, and there may be one more, but those are all elite quarterbacks like in their prime who, who were winning the Super Bowls. Obviously, Brady took a little bit less money as well, had Bill Belichick, so he won a little bit, you know, uh, as an older quarterback. But still, are you going to bank on Donald being one of those guys right now? Because if you if you skip on a guy like Lawrence at number one, if you are number one, and Donald doesn't turn into one of those guys, and Lawrence is out, you know, lighting it up, and you're stuck in purgatory with like a Kirk Cousins type quarterback at eight and eight. Nine and seven, getting bounced in the wild card or the divisional round all the time. That is a like a mind numbing mistake that Joe Douglas would have, would have made at that point. Um, so, and then people will also say, well, okay, you know, and I, again, I'm ranting a little bit here, but that's kind of what I do. Um, okay, well, you know, you, you keep going, you build around him, and you see if you have, you know, the quarterback of the future. Well, yeah, great. That's, that's great. And, and I, I guess, uh, in that like singular thought, but you have to think, you know, more. Uh, in depth about that because if you have faith in Joe Douglas and you're building around Donald with all these this, this free agency money and draft picks, you're expecting the team to be, you know, at least seven, nine, eight, and eight, nine and seven, maybe even ten and six. You know, if they if they get lucky one year, and now you're looking at trading down from fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty to to get a quarterback uh, that that you know that they desire. So it's either it's a, it's a now or never type thing. Um, it's a tough decision to make. Obviously, Donald has 12 more games to prove it, but the first four games have not been good. I think he's had three bad games. Uh, the Broncos game, you know, he had a few flashy, uh, flashy plays, but overall, I would say it was a negative game. The Colts game was bad. The Bills game was bad. And the 49ers game was, was okay. It's not like he was he was playing like the Donald of, you know, the, the Texans game and Packers game of, of his first year. He was he was okay, but it wasn't anything, you know, crazy. So, uh, it's a it's an interesting conversation with Donald, but I think people have to really kind of sit down and take their their their, their uh, fan goggles off and and look at what's actually happening on the field. It's not all Gates, it's not all the receivers. Donald definitely has um, a a part of, of of the of the blame of this season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about what surrounds Sam Darnold, specifically the offensive line first. From what I've seen, Becton's been great. Fant's been solid. The rest of the offensive line has been pretty bad. Yeah, the, so the offensive line has definitely been better. Um, I wouldn't say it's been like really bad. Uh, you know, Fant's been okay, like like we've said, um, which is a positive. Becton, when he's not injured, uh, is is fantastic, which is another indictment on Gates. If you're if you're rookie quarter, if you're rookie left tackle, an emergency backup, but he goes in before your other backup, then how much of an emergency backup is he? Uh, so that was a joke, but he's been good. Uh, Lewis, I, I think, has been better this year overall. Um, than he was last year. I'm not saying he's great, but I think he's been, you know, below average, which like again I think is better um than he than he played last year, which is still not great. I think he struggled more in this Broncos game than he did it, you know, in, in previous weeks. But he's been uh okay pass blocker, pretty good run blocker, so that's been a positive. Um Van Roten's been disappointing for for sure. He's been the biggest weak link on the offensive line, which a lot of us expected is either to be him or Lewis. Uh, and it's been Van Roden um, on that, on that, you know, at right guard, who's been a pretty big disappointment. But I don't expect him to be here past next year. You know, obviously, with uh, Cam Clark coming back, I believe he can come back this week uh, against the Cardinals. So hopefully, you know, he he can fill in, whether it be you know week five, week twelve, week you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and show some promise. That that would be very encouraging for Jets fans, and a lot of people like his film um, coming out of college. So, uh, including me, some I'm hoping he could take that spot from. Uh, Van Roten, so we'll see about that. Uh, McGovern's been disappointing. I think the last week was his best his best game um, when he was in the the Colts game. He looked clearly injured. He was just laboring out there, wasn't moving as quickly, wasn't as aggressive as I you know as I saw even earlier in the season or you know last season with the Broncos. So I, I think he played injured in the Colts game. Didn't really look good for him, uh, but it was pretty clear to me that he was injured. And in the last game, he was doing a better job of picking up stunts. You know. Uh, slide protection, picking up guys next to him. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit with like communication type things and kind of more feel things with guys next to him than him actually losing uh, one-on-one uh, versus other guys. So it's been more of like what's around him type deal than him just flat out losing versus the guy next to him so, or the guy in front of him. So I think he'll take steps up in the right direction. So the offensive line has definitely been better, but obviously the last couple of games, you know, you had Sant who was injured, you had Becton who was injured. You had a Doga who who was injured. You have McGovern who was injured. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, the the offensive line stock is going down, but it's not because of the play of the guys who are starting the season. It's more because um, of the injury situation that's currently facing uh, that group. There's been a lot of change at the wide receiver position from week to week. The tight ends haven't really done a whole lot. The running backs have more or less been a non-factor from what I've seen. Talk to me a little bit about Darnold's weapons, the wide receivers, the tight ends, and the running backs. Um, yeah, again, the, the receivers aren't great. Like when you're when, you know versus the Colts and running guys out there like Barrios, who by the way has been playing pretty well, and then of course when Crowder comes back, Adam Gates, the offensive genius who's coaching football to where it's going, can't find a way to get Barrios and Crowder on the field at the same time. I think Barrios only like ten snaps, but he's been one of the most effective wide receivers. Um, Crowder, when he's been playing, has obviously been pretty great this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, near 100 or over 100 yards every single game. I believe he's actually over 100 yards both games he's played. So he's been playing uh, great. And I, I think they're showing some like depth pieces. Like Jeff Smith didn't play great, but 
as a guy as a depth piece, you know, hopefully next year he's a four, four, you know, fifth, uh, fourth, fifth or sixth guy on the on the depth chart. Like I think you're finding guys like that on the team. So, you know, with Jeff Smith, with Barrios, with with Crowder, maybe even with Vincent Smith and and uh, Mims, maybe you have you know four, six, four or six or five or six of your guys where next year, um, and including Mims. I don't know if I said Mims' name. Um, you know, those you have a couple of guys there who could play pretty well, and then maybe you bring in uh, you know that big true X wide receiver who can take a top off the defense who whoever the quarterback is next year can re- really rely on to win on third down and things like that because the Jets do you know at least the wide receiver position is showing some depth you know obviously it's been injured uh which is an issue and Perriman was a guy who I think has a ton of talent but his, his issue through his career has been injuries and he hasn't been on the field so that's been a problem it's not like he's not producing because he's on the field it's just because he's injured so um I will still stick with that with that signing being a decent signing it's not a bad signing it's just he's been injured uh, which obviously factors into it as well, so something I should consider. Um, so that could be a little bit of a knock against Douglas. Obviously, a lot of us wanted him to respawn Anderson. A lot of us wanted him to address the wide receiver position more for agency in the draft. So um, that is that is a knock against him. But I think with Smith Barrios and uh, and uh, Smith Barrios and Crowder, they're, they're showing some some good things. The other the other guys are just you know average. They're not even average, just jags. Uh, let's be honest. Um, the tight ends have been a massive disappointment, obviously. You know, and, and the only thing I'm going to give them, which people are not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. They've been blocking well. <laughs> that's the, the hill thing. But Herndon's been blocking better. Uh, Griffin's been blocking better. And Wesco, who's been moving a lot between like H-back, fullback. Uh, Wesco, and this is, you know, this is not a guy you're going to talk about, the top 25 in your roster, but as your 43rd guy in your roster, he's actually been blocking really, really well as a fullback. So that's a really big positive for a guy who was brought in for that to be his role. Um, but is that what we really want from the tight end position? No, we want guys who are going to catch the ball. So I understand that. So Wesco will give a pass because he wasn't really brought in to do that much. Maybe, you know, a guy was going to get 10 catches a year or something like that. Um, which I don't think he has one, but uh, Griffin has obviously been, not even been involved in the game plan. got a contract after he gets injured, comes back, gets the, gets the contract. He says, oh, well, I don't know if I'll ever be the same again, which is, you know, quite concerning. Uh, Herndon has been open at times, like I said, with the Colts game where he's streaking up the sideline. Donald, you know, doesn't hit him, so there's some plays that he could have made. But also, you have to consider that when he it does get the ball and he does get targeted, he drops the ball every time. Like he he has been bad in terms of drops. Uh, the Niners game in the end zone uh, dropped it. There was a game. There's a, there a throw I believe in the Colts game where Donald throws it behind him because Donald had bad footwork and could have reset his feet and thrown it with you know, with, with, you know, clean feet and he doesn't cause he panicked. Uh, the ball is behind him, but Herndon gets a hand on it, drops it. Uh, this game, I believe it was, I, I forget what the down distance was to be completely honest, but uh, it could have been a first down. I believe it was on like second and 10 or third and 10 or whatever it might've been. It might've even been fourth down. I just forget. Uh, Donald sees uh, Herndon who sits it down in the middle of the defense in the soft spot for a first down. Donald puts it right in his chest and Herndon drops it. So, uh, Herndon's been a disappointment. Griffin's been a disappointment uh, overall, and Wesco has been a plus. Um, other than that, the running back position—it's uh, concerning that the Jets. And I don't, this is kind of like one of the concerns of Douglas: is like how much, how much say does Adam Gates have? Because trying to trade a seventh-round pick for a running back who gets cut a couple days later on your roster or two games later on your roster is definitely concerning. Because you know, seventh-round draft pick is seventh-round draft pick. It, you know, it's it's still capital. So. You don't want to trade capital for a guy that you're going to cut. Uh, obviously, if they probably traded capital for him, would they have cut him? Maybe, maybe not to you know to save face for for Douglas. But uh, Balaz was bad. Obviously, missed you know a whole bunch of blocks in this game and pass protection. 
Um, Piran hasn't been playing a lot, which is frustrating to say the least, especially for a team who is bad and should, you know, kind of uh, want to evaluate their young guys, which is a problem with Adam Gaskell coaching the team because clearly he's going to put guys in like Sam Darnold and Beckham even though they're injured because he's coaching for his job. So that's a reason to fire him. People say it doesn't matter at all. I couldn't disagree anymore with that, to be completely honest. Um, there's a lot of reasons to fire Adam Gates and have Jim Bob Cooter, whoever, Brant Boyer take over, um, you know, the team or the, or the play calling. So, uh, Gore has been bad too. You know, I think he was an okay signing, but it's a guy you want to see for maybe five reps a game, if any. Um, but he's been, he's been bad and the offensive line has opened some holes for him. And there's plenty of plays in the Colts game where there is a wide open hole and he just doesn't, he, he'll just hit the first sign of daylight even if it's a lot smaller um, than a backside read that he could have made, that he could have bounced the run uh, or bend the run back for, you know, 10 yards. Instead, he, he takes the first sign of two, three yards. If he had to split the head down. So there's been plenty of, of missed, uh, missed reads for Gore. And part of that is the fact that he doesn't have the lateral athleticism, the, the fluidity in his hips to change direction, do things like that. And you've seen him try to do that a couple of times. And he just labors to get over gaps and jump cut because he's, he's just old. Let's be honest. So, uh, Gore hasn't been good. Bullock hasn't been good. P. Ryan, we haven't seen really enough of. I want to see more of him. Um, Bell, you know, coming back, I, I think we'll have some some good running yards and uh, yards for carry behind his offensive line, especially if they get healthy, because they actually, you know, have been opening opening gaps, but the the running backs just haven't been you know hitting them. So uh, the obviously the the talent around him isn't great, uh, but Donald also isn't helping them out either. Let's talk a little defense, Joe. The front seven, the linebackers have just been pedestrian is the best way I could put it at best. And then on the defensive line, Quinn and Williams had two ag games, but he had two really strong games. I thought he was really good against the Broncos and excellent against the San Francisco 49ers. John Franklin Myers has been particularly impressive and Steve McClendon has been all reliable. But overall, that front seven's been fairly disappointing, which I think is part of the reason the defense has been so bad this year because you knew the secondary was going to be bad. You hope the front seven would at least be something close to what it was last year, and I don't think it has been. No, the front seven has been a massive disappointment. So you have guys in the interior who could, who, who could obviously stuff the run, and you know that's a positive for what it is. But that's only half of the game, if not less, you know, uh, than half at this point, you know, in where football is is heading, uh, which you know inevitably has its, its ebbs and flows, where it'll be a lot of passing, you know, now and then in twenty thirty, it's going to be a lot of running because the linebackers are going to get faster, then they're going to try to power run. They, the linebackers can't squeeze and fill and do things like that. Like that's just how it kind of happens. So I'm sure it will even out at some point, but the linebackers just aren't made for, for these days. Ogletree is the slowest linebacker I've literally ever seen. Um, and no offense to David Harris. We've had some slow linebackers in, in, in the past. Uh, Ogletree is terrible. And even the guys who were like, who were kind of, you know, good role players, but shouldn't be playing full-time roles. Like guys like Kyle Phillips, Bash, I'm like, they're okay, but in terms of like changing the direction, which is why the Jets had so much trouble with Josh Allen, and is why this week they'll probably have you know their own their troubles with Kyler Murray, who is the probably the twitchiest quarterback. I'm not saying he's the fastest, but in terms of changing direction, he's ridiculous. So, um, to him for him to break contain and get out on the second level versus the linebackers, they have no shot of containing him. I really do not think they do unless they spy him. Um, but the linebackers have been bad. You have Williamson, who's not playing a lot of reps. I don't know if it's because of injury or what it is. If you know they they just don't like him in the front office, or if it's if it's Greg Williamson doesn't like him, whatever it may be. 
Um, but he's playing less snaps than Ogletree. And, and Williamson, when he was in last game, he played okay. He definitely played better than, than Ogletree. Um, so the linebackers from, you know, the middle linebackers out to the linebackers have been bad. You know, even Hewitt, who's a guy who's solid in the run game, you know, can stuff an interior gap, will, will you know, kind of run into a hole, fill a gap with his, with his hair on fire. Uh, you ask him to cover, it's terrible. And a problem with Greg Williams' defense, too, which is why he deserves some blame. Is there's so much spot dropping. It's, they're covering brass, not covering guys, which is a huge issue. Where if you, you know, if you know they're running cover two, you just got to spread out the intermediate zones a little bit and hit guys and, you know, stop routes, hitches, wherever it may be, um, in the middle of the zones of, you know, the, the hook, the hook curls, the hook seams of the defense. And teams do it all the time. It's not like teams are running really diverse route, you know, route combinations over the middle to beat the Jets linebackers. It's just they just spread them out and run a stop route at the first down marker because, uh, they don't match. They just cover the grass. So if you just avoid them, it's pretty easy. Like if the linebackers and the coverage has been absolutely brutal. Uh, their, their containment of outside runs has been brutal because they're so slow. The defensive line, again, the run game, McClendon, you know, solid. Shepard's been a little bit disappointing this year in terms of showing up on film and showing up as a pass rusher. So I, I would say he's disappointing. Fadokasi has been solid. Uh, Quinn Williams in the run game has been solid. The problem is with the Jets is if, you, if you're any type of offensive coordinator, you're seeing the, the, the strength of the Jets defensive line is in the interior, and they don't have, you know, athleticism to get the outside, and teams run to the outside versus the Jets, you know. Crack tosses, pin and pulls, sweeps, you know, whatever it may be. Quarterback runs to get an extra, extra blocker in the box, you know, uh, and the linebackers can't contain it and defensive line can't run with those guys. So some of those guys have been good. And, and Quinn Williams has been an upgrade this year. Like, let's, let's be honest, like based on, you know, hits, pressures, even sacks this year, uh, if he were to finish at this, at this rank, he'd be like eight, nine sacks or whatever it may be. Um, and that's not, you know, that's obviously pretty good for interior defensive line and one of those sacks being taken away this week on a face mask, which, listen, people are going to, oh, my God, Quinn Williams gets the most sack and it's a face mask. If you never played football, you know, going to sack a quarterback like that and a quarterback trying to roll out to his left at the very last second, you're going for jersey, you're going for body, you're going for surface area, so your arms are already going out and him kind of ducking out of it, you grabbing the face mask and getting the sack. It's such a bang-bang play. It, it happens in football. You can't, you're not going to kill Quinn Williams for that. It's not like, it's not like the quarterback was getting away and he – you know, grab the face mask because that was the only way of getting him down. Like, that's not what happens. So, uh, unlucky that he that he got that face mask. I would say even the roughing the passer call that he got was was a little bit of crap. Like, you know, he took one step and tackled the guy when you're when you're running full speed at 300 pounds. Uh, it's kind of hard to stop yourself. So, uh, you know, that's another bang bang play that I can't kill Quinn and Williams for. But uh, yeah, really good game against the Broncos uh, overall. Again, again, you have to be fair. The penalties are they're hard to avoid at some at some times, you know, or, or at times like now with how the quarterback is protected. Um, the 49ers game, he was very very good, obviously. And even the Colts game, like he didn't have a hugely productive day, but like I can put up a couple of plays of film instead of blowing up Quinn Nelson, getting to the backfield and stuffing runs, or or making the running backs change direction because he's stuffing runs and things like that, or or holding up versus double teams. Uh, there's a double team he held up versus Quinn Nelson and Costanzo where he stood up Costanzo and was able to, to drop his weight, shed Costanzo and make the, make the tackle on the running back. So defeating running, uh, the combo box in the running game against guys like, you know, Costanzo and, and Nelson paired up is obviously really impressive because those are two top flight type, uh, offensive linemen in the league. So, you know, he's been playing well. He's definitely taking steps in the right direction. And, and my, you know, I, I discussed it a lot and I've been showing a lot on the show. And again, uh, you know, just like Darnold, I'll call people out if they deserve it, but I'll also defend some guys. He's not been used, been used in the right way, in, in my opinion. A lot of stunting, a lot of moving laterally, and he's a guy who's who's straight line explosive. Like he's an okay lateral 
athlete, but he's not Aaron Donald. So you really want him just penetrating the gap and not having to move side to side and things like that. And the problem with the Jets defense is they don't have a lot of true edge rushers or true pass rushers. So they have to manufacture a lot of their pressure with these stunts and things like that. So Quinn Williams is not giving, get, uh, getting the opportunity to just, okay, Quinn Williams, you have the B-gap, defeat the guy in front of you, get into the backfield, make the tackle, make the sack. It's a lot of thinking, a lot of stunting, things like that, which is aiding the guys around him. But for him individually and statistically, it's not aiding him because he's being asked to do um, too much. So he's a guy, and it, it's an obvious statement saying that, you know, teaming up with better defensive linemen around you is going to help you. And the main thought behind that is because you get single teams. And my reason is even for that, if, if, if you get another rusher or two on the Jets, they're not going to have to manufacture as much pressure. They're going to go four rushers um, and just single gap, you know, teams and, and ask, you know, their, their players to win one-on-one instead of manufacturing. And then Quentin Williams will be one-on-one more, ask to penetrate more, and he will be better. Uh, for that when Greg Williams leaves, when they get a true edge rusher, things like that. So uh, Cornelius has definitely been impressive. Uh, other than that, with the defense, I'm not too sure. Uh, with the defensive front seven, I'm not missing anything. Uh, Jordan Jenkins has been a disappointment. He hasn't really showed up at all uh, from a pass rushing standpoint. And uh, the linebacker group overall has just been absolutely dreadful. I, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't you know statistically, I don't know what the Jets are, but I would have trouble finding a worse defense in the NFL than the Jets right now. And the front seven is a big part of that. Speaking of bad, Joe, that is the word that I'm going to use to describe the Jets secondary right now because I want to keep this clean in case children are listening. I'm just going to say bad, and I'm going to let you describe why they're bad, and I think they're one of the worst in the NFL as well in the secondary. It is really bad, and doing the you know the McDougal review, I thought he could be decent, but it just looks like he doesn't care at this point. And it's funny because him calling out like the Jets practice habits and stuff, a guy who doesn't look like he really cares. But, you know, myself and again, Marcus Coleman, 11-year NFL veteran, we looked at his film, weren't very impressed. Um, we watched Pierre Desir's film, weren't very impressed. Like, I called him a 2017, 2018 Morris Claiborne. He's been even worse than that. So he's been really bad. You know, he had the two gimme picks last game, but he also got roasted for two touchdowns and, and gave up some other plays that he should, though, um, just based on poor alignment, poor technique, things like that. Um, so he's been terrible. Bless Austin, you know, had a flashy first game because he made a couple of hits and things like that, but he also missed like three, four tackles. And to be honest, has been a disappointment. Like, I, you know, a lot of fans came into the season thinking he was going to be the number one, number two. And I thought that was way too much hype for a decent three, four games from him against bad quarterbacks and bad receivers and then getting benched um, because of lack of situational awareness in the Steelers game. Um, I think for a sixth round pick overall, he has been, you know, kind of a plus just because I think as a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick, whatever he was, if he could be a fifth, sixth corner and just stay on the roster, that's, you know, more than you expect for most sixth or seventh round picks. But I didn't have the expectation of him uh, to be a number one or two. So that, if that was your expectation, he's been a massive disappointment because he's in the game. He's getting roasted in coverage. He's missing, you know, at least three out of four tackles that come his way. So he's been bad. Uh, Poole has been good uh, or, 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 or decent, I'm going to say. He hasn't been as productive as he was. Um, last year but he's he's still a, a building piece i think he's about 27 28 so if you want to sign up for another couple of years I'm, I'm okay with that but other than that you know bryce hall's been out so uh there hasn't been a lot of productivity from the cornerback room and a lot of positivity just overall like guys like mullet and hairston they're all guys who are going to be gone and wouldn't be on any type of good secondary um, in the nfl so uh they, they have to figure out you know hopefully with hall if, if he's a long-term building block which i think if he's healthy he definitely will be because his college film was really really good. Austin can be a depth piece, and I think you have Poole, and those are the three guys you have moving for you know towards the future who 
Mitchell could be here for a couple of years, but you got to fill out that room next year because it's been absolutely dreadful. Uh, McDougal has been bad. He's not going to resign here. So he's gone. A lot of people asking why Ashton Davis uh, hasn't been playing. And I'm not sure if this is something I discussed on your podcast, Scott, or, or my own, but, you know, a, a lot of these flashy plays that he was making in camp, you know, it sounded great on Twitter. When it's, no offense to the beat writers, but when the beat writers tweet this stuff out. You know, do I, I trust them enough to know what they're watching and if it was actually a good play or a gimme play? Like, you know, you could, you know, if we're all sitting at home and when we hear, you know, Jets training camp and Pierre Desir's pick six, we all think it's a great play. You know, maybe the beat writers think it's a great play. We're not watching the film or not understanding necessarily what they're seeing. And I'll give them credit. It's hard when you're on the same level, young field level as the players. We all think it's a great play, but we all know that was a gimme by Brett Ripon. So, like, how good was Ashton Davis actually playing? Um, was my concern and you know watching his college film at Cal I think he's a very toolsy type player really 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 raw though that's probably why he's not seeing a lot of playing time because again another show I did with Marcus Coleman you can go back and watch it uh, he has a lot of a lot of technical and mental issues that he's got to work through um, before he can be relied on so that's why he's not playing Marcus May had a good not great first game I think he was overhyped a little bit like I said I think it was good just not easy like some people you know, oh my God, that was good. as good as Jamal Adams ever or ever played. That's that's just not true in my opinion at all. You know, the the uh, the Colts game, believe it, yeah, the Colts game, no, or the Niners game. He gets roasted twice from Jordan Reed. I, is that the was that the Niners of Colts? I forget. But uh, no, it's definitely the Niners because it's not a uh, Mo Ali Cox and the Colts. They also got beat by, but uh, he got beat by Jordan Reed. He got he didn't really show up last game. You know, he's blowing some coverages. You know, he's he's playing okay but he's not a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a decent safety he's, he's maybe solid on the best day but that's about it so he's been okay but other than that, that secondary uh it's been you know very very disappointing you pair bad unexperienced well not unexperienced undisciplined uh front seven players pair with a bad secondary plus bad linebackers like it's the defense is just brutal like who really minus Quinn and Williams and, you know, some run stuffers who are plus starters that the defense really have. You know, Marcus May, maybe, but, like, that's it. You know, so uh, the defense is absolutely dreadful. Uh, Greg Williams has not been coaching it well. Uh, obviously, he has been in some situations, or he is in a situation where he doesn't have a lot of talent, so there's not a lot he can do. A lot of people will yell, okay, we'll run man coverage. It's hard to run man coverage when you, guys who, when you have guys who can't, you know, cover man. So you have to, you know, run too deep zone and just keep things in front of you. But at the same time, you can run the two deep zone and have man match principles um, that kind of, you know, intertwine with that zone. And he doesn't do that. He just, he just spot drops them and gets shredded underneath. And it just seems like every time, you know, it's third and 10, the judge is giving up a, a curl out or a snag or a stop right over the middle because the, the, the linebackers just have no idea how to cover. Greg Williams doesn't trust them, combination of both, whatever it may be. Um, but the defense has been, probably even more disappointing than the offense relative to expectations going into the year. There are times when breaking down Jets film is a lot of fun. This is not necessarily one of those times, so that's why I'm glad that Joe Blewett does it for all of us. Joe Blewett, the host of Blewett's Blitz over at JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on for XNL Quick Hits. As always, really appreciate it. I know you've got the game film from the Broncos. You've got the game film from the game before that against the Colts. You're going to have the game film coming up against the Arizona Cardinals. So plenty of video material for people to access when they subscribe at JetsXFactor.com. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, weekly weekly breakdowns. It's it's no BS. So I'll call out whatever player is doing bad, whatever players players playing well, 
like I said, I went at Marcus May a little bit the, the first week, thought he was overhyped. Same thing with Bless Austin, but I've also been praising guys like Quentin Williams a little bit more than other people have, calling out some of, some of Adam Gase's, you know, play calling that makes absolutely no sense in terms of down and distance and just how his concepts are formulated that I've been talking about um, on the channel. The shows can be anywhere from, you know, two hours to, to four and a half I did the other day, which I realize is probably too long, but it just happens like that sometimes. So, uh, if you really want to learn what's happening in the game instead of listening to the ESPN radio types and things like that, Jeff X Factor is definitely the best place to, to do that, in my opinion. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31 and check out his work at JetsXFactor.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.